Hey everyone, this is Eric from Dungeons & Tangents. This episode, we're going to talk through suggested ways to get your players in the mood. The subject of how to keep your players excited and engaged is one we talk about all the time, really. But in this episode, we talk about methods that go beyond just gameplay. Creative things, uh, means of using audios, visuals, props, and voices. So, enjoy! This is Robert. And this is Eric. And we are talking about setting the mood. Well, first of all, do you want to set a mood? A lot of times we don't worry about it. You do something that's very I, cool. Uh, I do? Yeah. <laughs> you you play music. Oh, um, yes. Throughout our entire session. Well, I, I'm a musician, so I've been obsessed with music for a really long time. So it just seems like an obvious addition to a, a game of D&D to me. Well, you 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 ran about six, seven months of games with no yeah, music. And true. then you brought it in one day, like, I'm going to run some music through the speakers in the room. And and it was really cool. Like, it had a, a noticeable effect on yeah. the gameplay. I totally ripped that off from Matt Mercer. I watched the first episode of Critical Role, and I was like, oh my god, this guy has everything queued up hearing the audio sync up so well. Mm -hmm. Is he doing that live or is that like oh, yeah. a post-production thing where no, he puts no, no. it in? No, he's, he's got just his iPad sitting there oh. and he's got a bunch of um, songs queued up. Pretty much the same thing as I do, except I'm running it all out of, out of VLC. Um, I just literally have an Explorer window open with all of my uh, all of my songs and then I tag all of my songs with like Environment Tavern, Environment Dungeon... Cool. Um, so the the beginnings of the names of all of them start with the tag. So I can just hit E and start toggling through the environments, and I hit Enter, and it opens it up in VLC, and it's gone. When you say tag, do you mean like an MP3 ID tag? or No, literally just the name of the file. I just go okay. in and change the name of the file gotcha. to be env-tavern. And then I've got like four or five different taverns, probably six or eight dungeon different songs. And a bunch of stuff that I never use because you guys never end up in uh, enchanted forests very often. So you don't just put together characters and encounters for us that we completely disregard and not use. You've got music. I've got music that, that, that you'll never, never hear. Okay. We're terrible players. <laughs> We're awful. We don't we don't deserve you. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, I deserve better, but it's, <laughs> you it's all do. Right. You very much so do. <laughs> But where I was getting at was, do you want to set a mood at all? There are some games where right, maybe, right, right. you, maybe you don't want to. Maybe it's not important. Uh, the thing that most likely comes to mind, because I think the initial reaction is, well, why wouldn't you want to? The first thing that I think of where you wouldn't, you actively wouldn't want to would be if you're doing a bunch of live play with 10 different tables and they all have separate games going, right? You setting oh, a mood true. with music is going to be disruptive to every other table. Yeah. Right? I mean, sure, you, you could show up in plate mail or dressed up as the dungeon master from the cartoon, and that, that would be cute, and it would set a mood, but... I'm, I'm on board with that. <laughs> okay. So, really, there's there's two sides to everything. You may want to, you may not want to. Yeah. But we're going to assume that you want to set a mood for your game. Some people just don't want... They, they want to sit down and they want to play a game. And when I say a game, they mean... Your old style, it's a board game. We're going to sit down. We're going to play the, by the rules. We're going to go through it, and that's it. This is a hack and slash. Yeah. Or, yeah. You don't hear about people getting excited about that that new actual play podcast or, or Twitch stream where they just sit down and they play by the rules. That's very true. <laughs> 
I'm still just kind of struggling with the concept that people get excited about listening to actual play at all. I think it's amazing because I've been I've loved doing it for years now, but the fact that other people enjoy it too. There are so many to me. Yeah, it also has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about. It's okay. Uh, so the, what you want to do after you've de- decided whether or not you want to set the mood is what kind of mood are you looking for? Yeah. The most obvious example that comes to mind for me is the recent actual plays, all that, for The Curse of Strahd. Mm. You want a more dark, gothic, tense, you know, almost off-putting mood where you're not sure of yourself. And that very much so calls back to that environment or the old Ravenloft campaign setting that you shouldn't be confident in your character's abilities. You should always be a little uncertain, mm. things like that, and the kind of music that you would have for that um, or, or the kind of environment, the kind of props that you use, etc. But there's more than just that. There's light and fun. If you, let's say you're doing, you're teaching, you know, some kids to play or, yeah. you know, like you, you don't want to have a barrier to entry. You want to no. make it fun, right? And kind of lighthearted. I think the mood that you set is probably connected to the setting you choose. I mean, you just mentioned Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, Faerun and the Forgotten Realms are very much, uh, they're Tolkien-esque. They're just like a copy-paste of Tolkien magic being um, more common than it, than it is in, in Tolkien's Definitely world. Definitely more accessible. Yeah, I can't remember. There's a, there's a term for low fantasy, high fantasy. I believe low fantasy is generally when... There's not a lot of magic going around. Like, it's closer to actual medieval combat. And high fantasy, I believe, if I'm getting my terminology right, is where you've got Gandalfs everywhere. And Gandalfs everybody everybody, <laughs> everybody can cast spells, which is effectively what we get with um, the core setting for D&D 5th edition. I think that's probably the most fun, especially for, yeah. for new players, right? If you cut out magic, you're cutting out a huge part of the PHP. You're cutting out, what, a third to almost half of the classes that are in the handbook. Yeah. I mean, magic's a big part of it. Otherwise, it's a combat simulator, almost. Yeah. And I'm sure but, that's a very ignorant view for somebody who hasn't played low magic campaigns, but that's what it feels <laughs> like to me, kind of, you know, the first impression. I kind of prefer the Tolkien-esque settings. For, for music, if I was going to set the mood with music... I could just go get the the, uh, the music for all Lord of the Ring movies. Absolutely. And pick and choose that and assign uh, certain songs to certain activities that the group is going to be doing. And that's an excellent point. There are soundtracks for all kinds of movies. If you wanted a more serious mm-hmm. one or a high fantasy one, you could do Lord of the Rings, right, or The Hobbit. There's going to be a soundtrack for that. If you wanted something that's, you know, kind of not quite so serious, I'll bet you you could find... Um, like a Willow soundtrack, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, and there's all kinds of movies that are out there. If you wanted a darker one, there's um, the Bram Stoker's Dracula. There's got to be a soundtrack yeah. for that one. Or all kinds of movies, actually. You get. Yeah. I'm trying to think of horror movies that would be more period appropriate, not like Friday the 13th or <laughs> Halloween, but um, know, fit the setting a little bit more and not be... Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Slayer. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if you can get the soundtracks for the old Hammer movies. Hammer? Yeah, uh, the old Hammer, Dracula, Frankenstein. Oh, those. I don't know. Let's look into that. Okay. I don't remember what the, the, the thing had. I don't know. It's been so, I was a little kid last time I watched those, so 
Um, but the idea being there's a, there's a lot of resources there that if you just tie something, a movie similar to what you're going for, it's much like casting your characters, right? Mm-hmm. It, it just kind of fits with very little work. Uh, but there's more than just music and scores. There's some tools available. You use one, uh, Tabletop Audio. Yeah, tabletopaudio.com is something Ben from well, a lot of the groups I've played with, uh, he suggested it. It's just a mostly free website. You can go on there and they've got soundboards, effectively. Mm-hmm. Some of the sounds will loop, so you can uh, have a, a river running constantly during your gameplay if you're out by a river or birds chirping in the background. And some of them are one-shots where you just hit play and it plays you know, an arrow sticking into a wall or a tree or somebody hitting something with a blunt object or a slashing weapon or you know whatever. And I know I haven't used it, but I have heard a lot about Sirenscape. I don't know if that's just a website or if it's an app. I believe... Uh, I don't know. Have you there's used... a website, and I, I want. I think I downloaded an app for the iPad. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm not getting confused, but uh, I've heard about it in, in some podcasts. Yeah, it's a Glass Cannon podcast. They use Do they? It. Yep. Okay. Um, one of the guys... I, I actually really like the way they run this. Their DM does not run the audio. It's one of the players that runs the audio. So the DM can focus on keeping combat moving, and one of the players, when it's not his turn, is just sitting there oh. playing around, looking for sounds that fit their whatever's going on in the game at that time. Another one that I've heard a lot in some podcast i think one of them is, is god's fall is uh battle bards they seem to have some really Definitely. nice uh high production audio to use for your games that's uh i believe it's a lot of effects hmm. so like i would not listening to god's fall there was a lot of very situational appropriate effects like casting a spell or yeah. um a, a priest you know Casting spell by praying. I mean, it was it was pretty cool to be have something in that moment, and all of a sudden you hear this high quality audio clip that really kind of brings home and helps you build that imagery in your mind of what's happening. Do you know is Battle Bards that cost money? If you're sponsoring podcasts, I would, I would assume so. Yeah, yeah, probably. And Sirenscape, I know, is a, I think it's a subscription based thing, and then you have access to a huge variety of material, and they put out new material all the time. I think there's a, uh, an app. Did we use it at one point? DMDJ or something like that? Yeah. I wanted to use that, uh, but it had to run by itself on... We couldn't use our actual like combat apps at the same time. Yeah. yeah, yeah I, couldn't, I couldn't run a game and have the audio at the same time. I'd have to switch back and forth, and the audio would shut off every time that I switched mm-hmm. to uh, Game Master. But there's a lot of very cool tools out there and a lot of options. Um, yeah. A lot of people don't use, you know their iPad for that kind of thing so they can have that as being a dedicated option or maybe they have their phone or yeah or what I do well and it really depends on how detailed you want to get with the sound for me I don't get particularly detailed with the sound mm-hmm. uh, I usually just want to put a, a song on in the background for that's appropriate to whatever's happening right then I can function with just Windows Media Player I'd right. be fine with that just give me a computer, I'll download some audio to it, and I'll be good. It seems like it, that would work really well in the example you had where a player is running the audio instead. 
Yeah. They have a little more. They have actually a lot more bandwidth to worry about the effects. The a more transactional experience where you're constantly queuing something up or playing something, as opposed to kicking off some audio and letting that run for an extended period of time. Right? Yeah, I'm usually like it's only when I'm waiting for somebody to think through something that I'm going over and playing with audio. Otherwise, I'm trying to run the game. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, voices. For me, I don't use voices a whole lot when I run a game. I don't use voices a whole lot when I'm playing a game. <laughs> I've done it every once in a while. I have to be very comfortable to do it. It's, it's very hard for me to do that. Yeah. But I, and when I have done it in the past, it's been a handful of go-tos. Like, you're much more talented than I am in that. You've, I, you've used a lot of voices. and I you seem try. To enjoy it. Yeah. I, you know, someday I'm going to quit my day job and I'm going to go become a voice actor. <laughs> there you go. And when I do, um, they're going to fire me. <laughs> actually i've learned we uh, we actually have a mutual friend who is a voice actor and uh i talked to her quite a bit about um voice acting and uh they don't fire you they just don't hire you that's how it works anyway um yeah doing voices i really enjoy it because i'm a bit of an extrovert it lets me you know try something new and, and do something different i haven't thought about it as being a, a critical part of setting the tone or the mood but i really ought to like i think it's very powerful in that regard. yeah because like um in the town of oakhurst which is the village near the summer citadel which we've been playing like i was what was i, I was trying to do my impersonation of peter laurie who's a really creepy guy as the owner of the bar really peter laurie should only be used in like barovia in the Ravenloft horror setting. <laughs> and I'm throwing him in in the middle of just for the hell of it because I thought Peter Laurie was a cool guy to do an impersonation of. I kind of think it didn't work. Like as soon as I started doing the voice, I was like, oh, this I forgot how creepy that guy is. <laughs> this is this is making it seem like he's hiding something. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna back off. And that goes back to determining <clears throat> the mood that you want to set, which might yeah. be very much so keyed into the campaign setting you're in. Um but voices can have certain basic flavors that should be based in that mood. It could be uh, sinister, it could be comedic, boisterous, right? Um, and it could run counter to the mood to break things up a little bit. Like for That's true. the Curse of Strahd, you can't always you can't create this tense mood. It's exhausting and it's not sustainable. So you want to break it up a little bit every once in a while. Uh, I haven't played Curse of Strahd. I haven't read it, but I heard somebody say that. Maybe it was even uh, uh, Chris Perkins, but somebody said they intentionally encouraged the DM to throw as much comedy as possible into Curse of Strahd because otherwise you exhaust the um, the players. Yeah, you can exhaust the players, and also it it loses its it loses its value or its intensity when it's constant. Mm-hmm. So if you break it up with some comedy, and then you can just kind of hit your players um, when they're not expecting it with something dark or frightening or sinister, it can be that much more unsettling because yeah. they thought that they were safe, right? Yeah. It adds contrast. That helps you appreciate that darker horror setting more than if you're just you're constantly in it. Uh, but it's very difficult because it's hard to create that setting and so it can be very easy to break that that intensity and if you do it intentionally 
you probably want to have a really good plan Sorry, for to bringing things back. Bringing things back, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Whereas uh, a comedic one, I think is is a lot easier. Um, and then like the boisterous loud or the high adventure heroic kind of setting, it's <laughs> kind of the default, right? Like that's for me in in D and D, that's kind of my wheelhouse or the sweet spot for me. And you just go in there and you're you're killing like, stuff, like and, the Errol Flynn style. But, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But getting away from kind of the audio for, for visual, there's lighting. So again, if you're gonna do cursor stride, there's a huge breadth of things you can do visually. You, I think I think it's more difficult to do, just because you don't you don't have as much stuff already done. Like you, you can't go to a website and grab some audio, or just grab a soundtrack and grab audio, or well, yeah, grab some sound effects for things. But you have a lot more room for creativity with the visual. Something as simple as you know lowering the lighting or something could give you a, a creepier feel for you know Barovia. Also, you know props. So there are a couple of different companies out there that do something I think is really cool. They make these fantasy coins. They're, oh yeah, they're not cheap. No, they're seen. not. Every time I'm like, I really want some fantasy coins, and then I go look at pricing. Like, I, I don't want fantasy look coins anymore. So cool. <laughs> Even something that's like just having a pile of those out on the table, you know, it looks yeah. super cool, but it helps get you in that mood immediately. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to break down one of these days and buy some. Tarot cards or Taroka mm-hmm. cards for Ravenloft, uh, those immediately get you kind of engaged, right? Yeah. They're a big part of the first adventure for the first Ravenloft, which was a module, wasn't a setting. Um, and there's rules for doing it with regular playing cards. If you can do it with the, it wasn't until I think the second edition box set where they actually came out with the cards. But if you can do it with those, it, it is way more effective in setting that tone. What do you know? What year the original Taroku cards came out? I don't. I used, <laughs> I used to have a set. I had that box set. Is that for three point five? No, second edition. Oh, second! Holy crap! That's oh, that's right because. Yeah, because Ravenloft was like 87, 86? Yeah, the, the first... Oh, no, it was earlier. I'm pretty sure the first module, I-6, Ravenloft, was first edition. Wow. And then the campaign setting came out in second edition when they started really expanding some of the campaign settings and yeah. new stuff. Uh, so for the first adventure, it just it had rules for how to do it with a, a deck of playing cards, which is very effective, but you also know it's a deck of playing cards. Right. Uh, maps. We've all done maps, handouts for diary entries or journal entries. Something I thought was really cool is I watch uh, a show called One Piece, and so it's pirates. And uh, it's I wouldn't say that it's great for D anD. d It's some of your more popular anime, but it definitely has its own mood and tone. That it's pirates. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And there's a website where you can go and you can plug in your own picture, and it, you can do wanted posters that are just like the ones from One Piece. Oh, nice! And Ben and I were going to do that because we're both big fans of One Piece. Um, but having wanted posters for your players, right? Or having oh. wanted posters for an NPC that you could hand your players. Yes. Know that here's who you're looking for. How cool is that to have <laughs> that right in front of you? I think my favorite props are always the ones that are one-time props because there's nothing like the impact of putting something down in front of the players 
that is contextual to exactly where they are in the story and they know that once they use that map it is gone and it is useless forever it it feels like it gives it more weight we know it's kind of a metagaming thing we know as players that a lot of effort went into it and it's only useful for a very limited amount of time so it, when i see that sort of stuff i'm like whoa you you put that much effort into that that is amazing because i've given it so much weight I feel more attached to it and I give more credence to it and I allow it to set the mood for me more. Remember one of the first games I ran, uh, I had more time to do things. I was in school, I was 14, I think, and uh, I did a map for the game and I stole, I think, some resume paper from my mom because it was a thicker <laughs> stock, right? Um, and I drew the map on that and then... I took a lighter and I burnt it all the way around the yeah. edges and then I curled it up and I tied it that way for like three days so that it would <laughs> be all curly when I gave it to the players. I, I read somewhere where somebody said they used coffee or coffee. tea. No, is it coffee? coffee? Well, both of them work, but... To I, age the paper or yep, something like that? That is like the best thing. It just, it's, I think it's, it's very effective for bringing somebody into oh, yeah. that. I don't know why I've never done that, but coffee and espresso, tea... All of them are like, you want to make something, anything, fabric, paper, you want it to look old and used and grimy, just throw some coffee on it. The the DM screen, if you're going to use one, some people like that, not to use one, I prefer to use one, can be very useful for, for setting the mood for something like uh, a horror campaign. Uh, I think I talked about this in, in a different episode of rolling when being deceitful in your roles you might have somebody do something and then you roll something and you're not doing anything you're just rolling look up and look at the map and see what they're doing and then look back down and say okay go ahead <laughs> you can get in your player's head that way yeah uh, and yeah. that can help little things like that can really help drive home what it is that you're trying to that that mindset you're trying to instill in your players would you can uh, that, that, it feels like we're we're moving away from uh, visual elements are we Mm. No, because it's not just what you can see; it's what you can't see. Okay, so that no, screen fair. is going to conceal things, and that could be a, a mixture. It could be a—I could see that visual element, sure. But the idea being, that there's something concealed. There's something that you're usually relying on your sight, and you can't see it because you can't see what I'm doing. You can't see the result of what I did. That's you fair. don't know why I did it. You're taking advantage of something that normally is detrimental. You're taking advantage of metagaming and you're using that yeah. as a tool to bring your players back to where you want them to be. Uh, things like miniatures for representation. We've, we've definitely talked about miniatures before. Yeah, but if you're going for a particular mood, if you're really particular about the mood, you may want a very specific set of miniatures for your game. Yes. And not to be like using rats as twig blights because I didn't have any twig blight minis. Uh, things like narrative perspective, the known versus the unknown with the, the DM screen uh, or hmm. HP Lovecraft, you know, the fear of the unknown, things like that, where you know that their mind is trying to make sense of things. And that, when you get into known versus unknown narrative, I mean, you could, you could do a whole. We could talk for another hour on that. 
because it's it's all about suggesting things without yes. describing them if you're going for horror. And that definitely I was going to say that definitely leads to a specific kind of tone. Yeah. That you're trying to set. Whereas the narrative of Tolkien is probably a little more describing things more known. Yeah, a lot more known, a lot more here are, here's the huge breadth of the world that we have around us and how amazing it is and there are unknown things, but those unknown things, those are the evil things, the known evil things. Like, we know that they're evil. We don't know everything about them yet. And, that, and that's uh, different than the ominous undertones and overtones in a horror theme where you are specifically not saying things and I, leaving things out that are part of the universe itself practically i think one of the biggest <clears throat> differences there is when the let's say the the evil part of what you're struggling against in, in this storyline is known it's it's usually insurmountable yeah let's, let's take or it's 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 played off as uh, you know sauron is the great evil in the world and exactly sauron has never been defeated except once and it was only because the ring was taken from him, and now the ring is finding its way back to him, and that's going to be the end of the world. And that instills or creates a very specific tone. It creates a tone of hopelessness. Yeah. Right? Whereas at the idea of fighting something or being hunted by something that you don't know, that you can't see, that has no form, that doesn't create hopelessness. That creates more terror. Yeah. It's almost something that you don't really think about or appreciate until you sit down and try to, to really define each one. It's a very different feel. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Man, It. we keep coming back to it, but the, the most key thing to do is figure out what mood you're trying to set up front. And that establishes everything. That that sets the tone for what miniatures you're going to use, what audio you're going to use, what visuals yes. you're going to use. Everything comes out of that. If you're able to create that tone, it's so easy to disrupt it or kind of ruin it that you can do it unintentionally by kind of if, mix matching your tones without realizing. Yeah, yeah. If you're not consciously aware that okay, I am doing Tolkien, which means I probably ought not have a Texas accent. That would be odd in Tolkien. <laughs> exactly. But it might not be odd in. Uh, well, I listen to the. Uh, Glass Cannon podcast, and they have one character who plays with a Texas accent because he's a gunslinger because it's a uh, canon for that um, that world in that setting. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what this kind of comes down to is something that we discussed earlier <clears throat> with session structure in that peak gaming focus. You don't want to be breaking out your music and your props while you're eating pizza. No. Uh, this is something that you want to do during that peak gaming focus, and it can help you establish it. It can help tighten up the focus so yeah, that you're, yeah. you, you get to that place sooner or help you define when that happens. I almost feel like I should have an audio cue that I play when it's like time to game, where I play the like fanfare music mm-hmm. and everybody knows, okay, we're going to start playing. And I say that, okay, we're going to start playing, and I play the music. I think it's important to know that that's the most useful time when you're doing that kind of interaction, when you have those kinds of tools being used, that's when you want to be gaming. 
And at the same time, it's going to sound obvious, but when you're not gaming is when you, you don't want to use those tools. <laughs> right. They're going to be wasted <laughs> when you guys are having pizza or eating burgers, right? That's not when you want to pull out your, your great props and the maps and try to instill that because you're actively being pulled out of that mindset, out of that setting, out of that tone. You're actively being pulled out of that engagement by what you're doing. Uh, I can't believe in, I can't suspend my disbelief and think that we're being hunted by Strahd while I am uh, wolfing down a Whopper. It's, right. It's, I'm looking at uh, the wrapper on my burger and I'm very much so rooted in the here and now. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, I have zero problem believing that while I'm downing Doritos or, <laughs> or Cheetos, right? That for, for whatever reason, snack food does not... Uh, ruin that process for me at all so there's one thing that uh we haven't brought up what's that that can go into mood and it's something i've seen a lot online there are people out there who will make their game room their like dedicated game room just deck it out in medieval stuff yes uh like walls that look like they may have been made of stone or timbers and um you know banners and just props of all sorts all around. I, mean, the, I think the, um, I haven't watched recent Critical Role because I was trying to start from the start, but I think Geek and Sundry have a gaming room that is decked out to be the D&D gaming room. I think that's a bit over the top because, come on, that's going to be, that's thousands of dollars of of renovating a, a room. But it's cool, and I'm sure as soon as you step in that room, you're like, okay, it's time for... It's time for medieval stuff to go down. Given money and opportunity, I would I would probably decorate every room that way. <laughs> but that's just me. You know, you could just move to England. They have, like, castles and shit there. All oh, my stuff's already here. <laughs> okay. I went to England. It was cool. There was, it was like you had fun. There, was, there were castles and shit. I missed you quite a bit. Oh. I didn't, I didn't miss you. Because I was in England. You shouldn't. <laughs> you had better shit to do with your time than think about me. Actually, it, it did suck not being able to play D&D. There's, like, not a lot there. There, I mean, there is, but it's it's hard to get a, find a pickup game. Not as much as you would expect. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, oh, it's England. This is, like, where D&D's from, right? Well, no, <laughs> D&D's from Wisconsin. <laughs> It depends on how far back you go. Well, that's, that's true. That's a different episode. That is. I think we're done. Thanks, Eric. Thank you. Next episode, we'll be talking about how to handle the death of a player character. If you've enjoyed listening to Dungeons & Tangents, please leave a review on iTunes. You can follow us or talk to us on Twitter. Our handle is at dungeon underscore tangent. Our website is dungeonsandtangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.